You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? It is Thursday, March the 17th, 2022. It is episode 96 of the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yuet and joining me as always talk about all the good pop that gets through our days. We have purple playing professional Asian American Jess Chu. I'm back, baby. Back from the dead. The Rona took me out for a week, but couldn't keep me down. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're feeling all right. Um, are you all recovered now? I I mean, yeah, it was never that bad. Like I've had flus worse, but it's just so embarrassing to be like. I mean, I had to text you guys and be like, "Hey, guys." Sorry, well, you, but you g- I got Corona. I got COVID. Yeah, you gave us the courtesy of calling us, and and it just rem- this reminded me of that show uh, that used to be called Love Sick. Um, oh, not Love Sick. Um, what was it called? The one with the uh, where the guy had the clap, and he had to. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't remember this show. I feel like oh. I would have. Oh, it's such a great show. It's actually a very sweet show. Uh, sitcom. Hold on. I'm gonna put. Hold on, I need to look Hans, it up because Hans Google history now will have the, the clap, clap TV show. No, it uh, it used to be called. You know why it's called the clap, show? right? Because they used to treat all the pus coming out of your genitals by like taking two boards and going clap, 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 clap clapping oh. it out. Okay, it was called Scrotal Recall. <laughs> oh no! That's I mean, that's a fantastic name. But then they but renamed how do you it love, that. They renamed it Lovesick because honestly, it is actually a very sweet um tv show so basically he cuts the clap and then they and then they tell him well you need to call uh, everyone basically everyone in the past whatever years and he's like what and so what he makes a list and he makes it alphabetical but um the way the show goes it goes back and forth through time um meeting all of his past either girlfriends or one night stands or whatever whoever he slept with and through that back and forth narrative you kind of figure out who he's actually destined to be with and so it's actually very sweet and it has some of my favorite actors in it so um it's i think it's a darling thing but anyway so yes this is exactly what happened to jess this is exactly what happened yes yes um did you know did you know that when you test positive for uh covid19 in the county of los angeles number one those bitches will not stop calling you Oh, um, that makes sense. Get, you get census. I was like, yes, I'm isolating. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a dumb person, but I'm not a terrible person. Okay, I'm not. I'm not going out. I've called people. They give you the option to send an anonymous uh, message to people saying, "Hey, you've been in contact with someone with COVID nineteen, <laughs> just like you know STIs." That and would. The, my favorite part: if you take a survey, they will give you twenty dollars Mastercard Ooh. gift certificate. <laughs> so if you want twenty bucks. Go get COVID. <laughs> I was about to say, can you also just get like a case of Corona? Um, but uh, <laughs> that would be a good tie-in. <laughs> don't know yeah, how the exactly. county would feel about giving away alcohol, but you know, crazier things have happened. Yeah, but uh, Han and I did isolate ourselves. Sorry, last guys. Week. We both tested negative on our PCR yeah, test. Very so. happy you guys have stronger immune systems than me. <laughs> we, we were thinking it was dim sum. It was the Chinese mustard or something in there that like the tea get, made us resistant. Yeah. We were at this for like, quite we sh- a while too, so we were like, "I was like, yeah. man, we probably so- got it." I totally double dipped. I'm sorry. I, I figured you double dipped, and then also I was like, "You gave me a mask to wear." <laughs> I didn't wear that mask, but you to held be it fair. in your hands. I, I, I and I literally like I was feeling okay, and then like I as soon as I got back home, I started getting all these text messages from my friends who I was hanging out with this week, and they're like, oh "Guys, God. I'm sick. Guys, I've been coughing." I was like, 
oh fuck because we yeah we thought you just had like a cold slash hangover i thought i was just hungover yeah yeah or like you know just you know like tired from all the traveling and like not sleeping all weekend and no it was covid well, yeah han and i our vaccines held strong there was no breakthrough infection so thank you moderna yeah. thank you dolly parton i mean i had moderna yeah. too did, but i was dumb i was dumb this week well you weekend. also probably got exposed a lot longer I'm yes everyone that was in that club with me yep yeah we yep. all got it um but you know what it was worth it i do it again <laughs> because you survived oh. Because I survived and like, oh, I did. I'm a bad daughter. I gave my parents COVID. Oh, Oh, how are they doing? They're they're fine. They're kind of pissed at me, understandably. But I was like really trying to spin. I was like, hey, guys, like it's a it's 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 great. Like now when you travel, you don't have to like bother with the piece test to come back to the States. Like, oh, like you got this street. So now you're good for like three months. And now you can like plan without worry for the next three months. Well, we did miss you for our drive my car discussion because it's it- fine. <laughs> you may you. I, I am curious to know what you might have thought about it, but at the same time, maybe you wouldn't have appreciated I'll, it. I'll in probably your- would have been yelling for that entire podcast, going, "That was so slow. Why? I <laughs> didn't like I, it." I don't know. Did you know that it's stealth a movie about theater? <laughs> I don't. I live that. I don't know if I need to revisit that again, Marvin. But Is not it? in the same way. It's a very specific type of theater. Um, check it out one day like let me uh, you can just listen to our podcast okay (laughs) okay speaking of that we're here this week to talk about the new disney pixar feature film turning red uh, which came out last week on uh, on disney plus and man there has been a ton of discourse on this movie mostly good but some bad and we're going to talk all about that um after the break but before we get to that let's find out what pop culture is speaking us through this week um Jess, since you're back with us, uh, let's start with you. What's popping? So basically, what got through, what got me through my quarantine was uploaded episodes of QI on YouTube. So QI is a long-running British panel show. Uh, that's exactly what it sounds like. It's a panel show, so they literally just get like four or five people and they talk about things. Um, and QI just is very nerdy. They they go literally each season is a letter of the alphabet. So I think they're on like letter S or S right now. So every episode, the topic is something with the letter S. And literally, you just kind of learn some things. You you get some funny jokes from some great British personalities. It's hosted by Sandy Tosvig, who was previously the host or mm. co-host of um, Great British Bake Off. So that's like yeah, a nice yeah. little the short one connect there. Yeah, and before that was hosted by Stephen Fry. Oh, and I love him too. It's just so delightful. I really feel like this because um, I like went through all my podcast episodes, and I am very picky about my podcast. Like, I, I hate like the personality and the knowledge has to be very good, or else I can't stand it. And I think that there's like too many people have podcasts. I, as someone who's speaking on a podcast, I understand the irony of this. But yeah, British people, so fun, so witty. Um, you know, it's still a TV show, so you have to have some semblance of talent. You can't just like talk in a microphone and you learn so many random things. And it's just like, man, how come we don't have this shit anymore? I feel like we used to have a version of this. This was like the VH1 like talking heads. I yeah, love like, the I love 70s. the 80s, 90s. I love yeah. Um, that got me through college for sure. That got me through like that was that's how I learned about all this pop culture you know, that like, you know, the young kids don't know about anymore because they don't have these shows anymore. And I'm just like, some of my first 
my favorite personalities like I met through this show. And I feel like that's really gone to like the NPR podcast world. But we don't get the volume on the NPR podcast world as we did in like the VH1 like churn machine, the meat machine. I mean, I feel like these days, instead of having pop culture experts, quote unquote experts like us, talk about pop culture. Now you have like young Gen Zers watching classic things for the first time on YouTube, which is kind of fun too but it's not the same right i mean so much easier but i'm also like you know like we we can't just have charming smart people the 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 twist is they have to be very smart and because they there are some you know it's at the end of the day a game and they kind of have to know things and they have to be witty and like bounce off each other and i feel like american media some of it it's so controlled right like i could not imagine like a like a celebrity going on and like given free reign to do crazy shit like jimmy carr one of my favorite he hosts the great quiz show or the great end of the year like show very distinctive laugh at one point he just like takes out his phone's like i'm gonna order french fries like i'm ordering (laughs) fries to the studio like you think they'll deliver to the studio and like his phone rings later like the guy has come to deliver the fries he's like oh you're here like it's just pure chaos pure bbc chaos and i love it (laughs) so if you like Pat, if you like like game show podcasts, you need something entertaining. Like you could literally, you don't even have to watch it because it's really just them four to five people sitting around and like cracking jokes and get to learn some random shit. Uh, you can, you it's great. Would recommend. Very easy watching. Putting on the background while you do some chores, while you, you know, do the mindless work like accounting, anything like that. It's great. Would recommend and whoever that who, I forgot the uploader name, but bless you for uploading high quality mm. videos. It's not the official BBC channel. It's like some random YouTuber who has like uploaded mm. dozens of episodes. Like bless you. So bless watch you. it now before they get taken down by BBC. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. All right, Han. What's popping with you? Okay, so I went back and forth on what to discuss, and even though I did watch pieces of her, which is a a very interesting thriller on Netflix and finished Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is meh. Um, I, I, I wanted to talk about the courtship because even though it's maybe not the best show in the world and actually not even a good show, um, it's an interesting show to talk about. Whether or not I stick with it, we'll see. But uh, Marvin watched it also so he and I can talk yeah. about it. I, so here- people who listen to the show know that I don't usually watch dating shows. It's not really my thing. Um, and I picked this show up thinking, oh, you know, it's an interesting concept. Let's see what they do with it. And well, let's talk about the concept. (laughs) So the concept is that there is a modern woman who is who is set up in a Regency style courtship ritual. So it's basically like Bridgerton meets Bachelorette. So all of these suitors come to this estate in England um, and she and her parents, because, of course, you cannot get married without your parents' approval. You need chaperones. Yes, yeah, chaperones. And her friend is a chaperone um, and uh, are all there. They're all wearing their Regency finery. They are living in this little manor for the time being. And all these guys come up uh, in carriages or on horseback or whatever to uh, vie for her hand. And the thing is, so here's what they kind of get right, which is very few. By the way, very few things. One, that they do uh, refer to the men by their last name, 
And as is proper, most of them are Mister. They are not lords. <laughs> they are not. They are See, not. See, that's that's the fuck up first fuck up yeah. right there. You well, need some I mean, dukes in there. That's accurate, but it also means that they probably wouldn't be there because they'd all be poor. However, <laughs> there is one military man, Captain Captain Kim, uh, but he's not wearing a red suit because he's not British. Uh, but um, so anyway, so it's here's the thing the. There are obviously going to be a certain amount of modern anachronisms. Um, the the bachelorette, the whatever diamond of the season of the first water of the season, she is a black woman, which, you know, unless it's Bridgerton, that's not going to happen right in in the 1800s or whatever Regency era. Um, so obviously, you know, that means that these uh, pool of suitors are also similarly diverse. Um and so that's about as far as I was willing to give them as far as breaking the rules. Um, but the rest of it is just so, just so fast and loose. I mean, like, here's my, my other thing. I really wanted them to at least be very strict on the uh, on the propriety. Like, you do not touch hands. Um, you do not kiss. You do, uh. All of that stuff. You need to get married if you kiss them. And in the in the trailer alone, she's like kissing all yeah. these dudes. Han, we watched this trailer. She kissed like five dudes in that trailer. She, she kissed like at least five dudes. And one of them, she was like lying on top of him. I was just oh, like, oh, oh, that's so scanty. <laughs> yeah. And then even in the first episode, she kisses a guy, but another guy, she like rubs his belly. I'm just like, what? Huh? So no, that, you have to do it in like sneaky or clandestine. That's what makes it right? hot. Right. So that's boy. what upset me is like the rest of it should have been really like strictly because I think that would have been the fun of seeing them get really hot and bothered by <laughs> not being able to. Like when we talk about um, how hot that Emma dance was with Mr. Knightley. Yes, the dancing is so hot. Because they like barely, they, they, that's the only time you touch. touch. Yeah, like their hands touch and you're just like, oh, it's smoldering, right? But they're so horny for each other, right? Yeah. I, I do have to say that's where um, Bridgerton season two does better than season one. Because season one, it was, I was laughing. Oh, can you talk about that right now? Are you still, are you not embargoed? I, I, I can't, I can't really talk about it as far as a, um, a review, but. If you even know the story, yeah. Anthony has the best story. That's the best book. Oh, they do. They, they change quite a bit, but we'll talk about it's that fine. when we get. Okay. Well, we, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. can talk about that when we get, we should do, a, we need to do a whole. Um, We're going to do a Bridgerton season rewrap. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because this I'm is an gonna Asian. Have feelings. I'm going to have so many feelings. <laughs> yeah. This is and again. I would like to reiterate just, you know, we'll delve into this later. Julia Quinn's a terrible writer. Yes, okay. she is. And so that's why I feel like the season really improves upon her. But <laughs> um, because it is also a very Asian season, I think it's an interesting um, thing what they do. Anyway. So, yeah. What uh, Marvin, also, you can help trash this show. <laughs> I mean, not to trash. I, I feel like I'm the same with you, Han. Like the cost was just so interesting. Um, because I think because of my interactions with you two this, these past two years, mm. um, I've been, I've been, um, let's say forcibly immersed into, you know, things like Bridgerton, things like Austin, like portrayals. And so mm -hmm. the concept, like I was, I think what it is, is much like the book of Boba Fett, what I wanted to see and what I got are two yeah. entirely different things. Because I think what I wanted to see was too hot to handle meets like <laughs> regency setting yes. right yes yes yeah they should have just done too hot to handle but with regency you know, rules different costumes <laughs> yeah. and then instead of that weird like alexa that tells you the rules you have like a butler yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a butler, butler. here 
So there's a butler here. Uh, the, <laughs> the other thing that I think we both agree on is that the farewell process is actually kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, so what we actually got is the bachelor, the bachelorette with a Regency skin. But mm. all the guys are just like all the, the, the interactions are just as like messy. Like I didn't. I it's think it was what I was afraid would happen. And I mean, just just talking about the cast itself, like you would think, okay, they're doing Regency. Uh. They're going to get a bunch of like gentlemen. They're going to be on their best behavior. They're going to try to like actually, at least, you know, like play the roles. But instead, I, I'm pretty sure if this was F-Boy Island, two thirds of these suitors would be F-Boys. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I I really, again, besides the actual show not giving us the real like sort of feel of Regency, I really wanted the characters to embrace that. So they're, they, Oh, we got readily, characters. They're all Wickhams. They're no, every single one of them well, is a Wickham. But they, <laughs> but none of them like, like, or at least very few of them researched the period. Like one guy was like, Oh shoot, I have to dance. Like, I was just like, you learned that day one, you know, and how to bow and how, to, and how to address people and all this other stuff. I was like, and so I was kind of upset with that. And then, um, but here's the uh, so I guess we could talk about the farewell because it's so yeah funny. the farewell like so the whole elimination process is just I was just like laughing in disbelief on how okay like, so how how it's set it up how the actual farewell uh, the elimination is set up is she writes down um, six names three guys who uh, who she was probably going to say goodbye to and three guys she wants to give a warning to like you got to step up your game right but. But she doesn't do it straightforwardly. She does a final dance with each of them. And it's so poorly done because while they're dancing, they're talking, right? Which is what you're supposed to do in these Regency movies, right? Because that's where you flirt. And they're but so out of breath when they do it. <laughs> it's like, so what I need from, me, from you. This is the most to... poorly thought out. <laughs> but they're not even moving that fast. <laughs> okay. So that's bad enough as it is. And then when she actually said goodbye to them, she was like, um, your carriage awaits. Your carriage awaits. Okay. So what I'm hearing is it actually would have been better if they just mashed up Fuckboy Island and Too Hot to Handle. Yeah. Yeah. With Regency. like With trapping. Regency dressing. And you know what? There needs to be consequences for not following the rules. Yeah. Like you can't yep. attend this ball if you like are acting you know you're you have you're being improprietary or whatever yeah you get written up by a lady whistle down your yeah. name is yeah. and on you're, the shit you're like, list oh you're banished and then you can't go like, to this ball or whatever yeah, the thing. you can't go to this ball you can't go on this date like you know you don't get time with her they they obviously should have consulted us i mean i think what happened was whoever produced this show saw bridgerton and mm. saw like oh and let's... took all the wrong lessons yeah, from yeah. It. everyone fucks so let's just do no mm. it's only hot that they fuck because they can't fuck like <laughs> yeah I don't understand why that's so complicated to understand exactly exactly I think if I were to do this show I would make it like too hot to handle where we have like it would be an actual social season where you have a group of guys and a group of girls going to like social events together and like Marvin I mean happens, this in a good right? way I, you give like humble rector energy. Like not not Collins energy, but more like you know, like you're the one the nice the the jewel wants to marry, but like she can't. But she like would you know she likes your company. You know what I mean, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean the other thing, I guess, like when you were talking about f boys, it's like so far after only one episode. Obviously, I need to watch more. They're all uh, influencers. I, I, don't, I don't like anyone. Like, well, that's kind of a given at this point that people are influencers because, like, after watching um. 
uh, Love is Blind Japan, I did go ahead and see like who's on Instagram and you can tell who the influencers are. I mean, I get it. Obviously, influencers are the climbers mm-hmm. of the modern age. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they would be here. And that's how you can, you know, <laughs> cast these days. Instead of calling out, you can actually go search them out yourself. But yeah, I honestly, these aren't even really good influencers. I feel like um, you should have mixed in like, I know the doctor went home the first episode. Sorry, spoiler. But he was kind of like. Oh, <laughs> when you, you know how I like a pun, his or not, his, his puns are good, <laughs> or at least his cheesy dad jokes are no good. They were like bad. And then, and so like the thing that she tells him in breathlessly so what i need from you is just it's it's so superficial like the jokes i like to laugh but i don't know the real you and and oh my god he's totally like pleads with her and gives her like a piece of jewelry like begging to stay and everyone's like you can do that like give her a gift and he still didn't stay was that the one who bad. said you, you, you're making a big mistake? That was probably the most like yeah, and then the most drama she, part of it. Yeah, and after she, she eliminates, seems like you're making a big mistake, and I was like, oh, that felt Regency. Because <laughs> yes. he's like, oh, you know, he's probably telling to go to the devil, you know. Um. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it, I feel it's like bad. there needs to be more, like more. The drama here needs to less be about look how messy these guys are, and more like. Who will the parents you know? Like, ooh, that guy's right. a doctor. That guy's a lawyer. The parents obviously want this. Right. For their everyone daughter, right? seems, yeah. Everyone seems just to be there for the fun ride. They're not actually playing their roles. And um, but anyway, I mean, yeah. <laughs> look, Sanditon is coming back on on Sunday. Bridgerton's coming back later in the month. So like, this is just kind of like scratching that. Yeah. Itch, you know? yeah, I know there's another episode. I might watch it, but I, I feel I have a feeling I might bounce. I, I, this one. <laughs> I, you are not required to watch anymore, but I will tell you if I watch more. <laughs> so <laughs> if it gets any better, which I doubt it will. Anyway. Yeah. Well, moving from a, um, I guess, mid reality show to <laughs> top tier. What's popping for me is the second season of our sub podcast, I guess, Go Asian, where we follow the current season of Top Chef and the five, count them, five Asian chefs that are competing this year. Um. Episode two came out last week. All five Asians are still safe. Uh, but uh, there was a lot more drama this week, right? There's like a lot more. Yeah. Well, first, let's talk about that quick fire. Because first of all, when you were talking about like the crimes against Queso. Um, <laughs> oh, the... as a Houstonian, how do you feel yeah, about this Queso I mean, quick fire? First of all, people who say like they don't even understand Queso. But like the worst one was the guy who didn't even make Queso. And he just made a cheese fritter type like chip. And and then like even Padma was like, you didn't even give us anything to dip. Like, come on. You like you had one job. Yeah. He should <laughs> have made a case. He was trying too hard. <laughs> yeah. Trying too hard. I mean, he should have made a chip out of cheese to dip in the case. That would have been right. Cheese and yeah. cheese. I would at least given him something for that. But like, yeah. So that was probably the worst one. I think the rest of them are just the ones who just don't understand the the joys of queso. And I think that's why when they were like it was too watery or whatever like they just didn't get the concept it was Um, pretty like when they when they were describing the quesos especially the ones that were too watery i I felt that in my throat i was like oh i don't want that yeah queso is a thing of beauty and we you know and in texas of course we make our like um if if you don't kind of like your home one is just velveta and like rotel (laughs) <laughs> like if you if you have no time, that's the that is a perfectly good queso. Um, just microwave it together, and and I have to say, nothing melts like Vovita. Um, but of course, you know the real one you would make with like a roux and like cheese and oils and you know all that other stuff and um, actual like 
oh chili con queso mm, so good yeah. but um so yeah i'm i uh, that was upsetting to me but at least most of them didn't insult the queso <laughs> <laughs> um well i did i did text marvin watching this i was like this seems cruel to make a bunch of lactose intolerant people that's an assumption they might so, not all be lactose intolerant. yeah i'm not like, i'm, as I'm lactose not intolerant I yeah, can eat cheese okay, all we got day. five Asians in there. At least like three of them are lactose. Well, <laughs> like we know Joe isn't because they were talking about like eating queso. And then we know probably I'm assuming Sam eats cheese. Like if he I eats mean, that much potato. I, mean, I eat queso too, but I am lactose intolerant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of like at, at this point, I feel like, I don't know. Cheese is everywhere. <laughs> So, well, I do uh, want to ask just since you weren't here last week, what are your yeah. thoughts on this year's oh, yeah. five Asian chef testings? Oh, I I like how diverse this mm-hmm. year is. Um, not just with, like not just with like, Asians, but we got some more like uh Latinx chefs in there. You know, we got our token white dudes. Um, the the Noma guy really annoys me, but yeah. I'm actually very entertained with the dude who has COVID and yes. can't taste yet. <laughs> yes, I was like, yes. how are you going to do this? Okay, let's. I'm like. I went, I'm actually very entertained by him. He's our local more. show. He's from LA. He's, yeah. Yes. Um, my favorite right now is Sam, that kooky yes. kid. He's that so guy's sweet. pure chaos. That man. Yeah. He's pure chaos. I know. I've met a few Sams in my life. I have a few Sams in my life. And I feel like just just, just a wild energy. I love it. Like wild, wholesome energy. Chaotic good energy. <laughs> I know. I do like I like Robert. He's from Downey. You know, that's close. Uh-huh. Uh, Sam's from Gardena. That's close. A lot of these chefs are like from SoCal, even though they're like based somewhere else now. I was like, okay, this is fun. I'm I'm enjoying it so far. There's there hasn't been any terrible people yet, or they're just like getting quickly eliminated, which I appreciate. I do enjoy Buddha, the Australian chef. <laughs> yes, yes. Although Buddha, I also know a lot of Buddhas in my life. Although <laughs> I was kind of just cackling when he was saying. Oh, I'm inspired by the Buddha. He's a happy guy who loves to eat. I mean, I don't think you know what Buddha is. Yeah, I was like, that's no. not the number one thing that people talk about when it comes but, to Buddha. But is it not the most like third culture kid thing to have some yes. kind of weird English nickname? And you're like, that's just going to be my legal English name. That's fine. That's yeah, fine. That, I was slightly disappointed that wasn't his his actual <laughs> name. I, I guess that's fine. Um, um, but but yeah, so. The elimination challenge was, I guess, since it's Texas, you have to have a challenge on a high school football field that looks like pro sports can be played there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, wow, look at where all the money is going. <laughs> Instead of like, yeah. And I will say, the rules for this challenge were ridiculous. When Patton was explaining it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I don't care. Just get to the challenge. None of, none of this It was the most me. like German like, board game you, rule set. Like it I've was ever very seen. German board game. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's very cones of Dunshire. <laughs> I was confused because, well, I guess I just don't know Houston that well. But like, so here's the thing: it was the Wildcats versus the Cougars, and clearly, even Don, who is a chef from Houston, didn't know. Like, you don't call them the Cougars. Yeah, like Cougars was my um my mascot for University of Houston. You call them Cougs. So, so it just felt wrong every single time that they were like, "Yeah, go Cougars." I was like, "No, you, it's Cougs." Um, but anyway, that was just my one little quibble with that. But also, Speaking I don't know who of Cougars. Man, yeah, <laughs> Sam, that guy aged, didn't he? Yeah, but it's looking pretty good. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I did. I wasn't into him. Oh, before, Sam Talbot, but like older, oh. older Sam Talbot. I was like, 
Yeah. Wasn't he the yeah. hot one from season yeah. two? Like he's that's still the... hot. That's the thing. It's like he's hotter now because he like his hair. He figured out the hair. I also think maybe it was his glasses that made him like look older. Yeah. Well, he used to look <sighs> like low rent Chris Klein, and now he. I don't know what he looks like now. Chris yeah. Klein. I think he's like more tats now. Uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's working. It didn't I... work before for me, but it's working now. <laughs> I liked him then. I like him now. As just as a, as a one of those chefs, you know. F boy chefs. <laughs> it's fine. At first, I thought you. I thought you meant like Sam Kang. Oh no! And so I was just like, how did he age in one episode? <laughs> Sam anyway. Kang did single handedly tank his team, though. Did he? Uh, yeah. I mean, so this was like a head to head challenge. Um, they gain yards by getting votes from um, the judges based on the different matchups that they do. So they kind of try to make it like a head to head with some strategy. And then Sam, thinking that Monique's dish would wow the judges, sent her out in round, was it three? He, they sent the dessert against a savory dish, yeah. and the savory dish won. Oh, her he dessert thought... was very good and would have definitely won against Oh, the you're talking yeah. about Sam Talbot again. <laughs> no, I'm, Sam no, Kane. No, 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 Sam, Sam, Sam Kane convinced his team to do that. But, but, he, but it was the coach's call, so it's actually Dawn's fault. And she did say that was a bad call on my part. But here's the thing, like, so when Justin and I say we know a Sam, we know someone who is just so confident in his uh, terrible chaotic ideas mm, that he can convince you to do I something see. against your own self-interest because he yeah. thinks it'll work out. It, it is bizarre. You're right. Because I remember just watching that happen. I was just like, why did they go against their own rules? Like they clearly said that she was going to finish dessert, dessert makes sense. Because people um, like Sam get a great idea and think I'm going to yeah. now game the system because he, if Monique gets all five yeah. votes, we win. I feel like you only listen to him when you're like partying and just kind of like, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, now no one will listen to him ever again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he did good. He did good. He just dished it. His yeah. Di- yeah. His dish did really well. So that's why I was like, he tanked it now. Um, <laughs> so at the end, no one scored a touchdown. So everyone was up for the bottom, which worked out because the three people in the bottom <laughs> were the three white people minus um, uh, COVID guy. COVID, COVID dude. guy. <laughs> I I think his name is like James or something, but yeah, COVID, COVID dude. Um, I really couldn't say. Stephanie, Sarah, and um, Noma guy. I don't remember his name either. Um, Which I had to apologize to Sarah because last week I identified Meat and Potatoes Girl as Sarah. She's actually Stephanie. So I apologize to Sarah for uh, mislabeling her. I will say when Stephanie started talking about how she was going to make... Wait, was it Stephanie who made the fajola? Yeah. That I learned from a friend. And I'm like, I literally went, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> this can't end well. So um, Stephanie ends up going home, which I think we all collectively breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, that we don't... yeah. I mean, I'm sure she would have been good for, like, drama. But I just. Yeah. And she wasn't even that dramatic. That was the other thing. It's just she's kind of she, she didn't have the personality to kind of go with the not great cooking. You know? Yeah. Um, I didn't watch Last Chance Kitchen, so I don't know if she is still in the running. But um, I think, yeah, if you miss undercooked beans and rice, I think you got to go. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, two episodes down, all five Asians still in the game. So um, we'll be back next week to check in again on Go Asian, the good pop top chef podcast within a podcast. Um, but yeah, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're turning red. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Raman. 
How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Raman and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah. Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lunyang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. This week, we're talking all about the new Disney Pixar feature film, Turning Red, directed by Domi Shi, who um, previously directed the very emotionally charged uh, story <laughs> of a Bao who gets eaten by his mother, <laughs> which led her to make her feature debut for Pixar. Um, Turning Red is a story about Maylin Lee, a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian girl living in Toronto who lives and works in the temple with her mother and obsesses over boy bands with her group of best friends. Um, Maylin Lee is played by Rosalind Chang and Sandra Oh plays her um, very overbearing mother. Um, You're kind of bearing the lead here, Marvin, which is that uh, she turns into a red panda, <laughs> which is a generational thing that passed down on the women. I was which building is also up to, I was saying... For your period <laughs> and puberty. I was going to say... One day, her body goes through some changes, and she finds herself forever changed as a person. Yeah, because she's a red panda sometimes. <laughs> when she gets too emotional, she turns into a red panda. What did everyone think of turning red? Okay, like, disclaimer, I am the exact center of this fucking <laughs> um, Venn diagram of who this movie was made for. I, too, am an Asian American, you know, broadly North. We're talking North American here. Very similar experiences. Mm -hmm. Asian American millennial woman who is and was obsessed with boy bands. My poison was Backstreet Boys and then Big Bang. Apparently, she based off she based Four Town off of Big Bang. Um, so really respect that. <laughs> also, you know, an Asian American woman who has a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. And who had a very rough puberty, I mm -hmm. would say, with a lot of changes in my body. I, I also hit puberty very early. Mm -hmm. um, and I was very tall and big. Like, I am five. You know me. I'm five, four, five, five. I'm five, five on a good day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, throw in, a, throw in a sketcher sneaker. And I'm like, five, six, five, seven. Um in like the fourth and fifth grade, always in the back of the line. Boys don't hit puberty till like freshman year of high school. I was twice their size. My boobs came in early. I was always loud. And then very, uh, very uh, unfortunately, I hit puberty the same time my mother started menopause. <laughs> so it was a very tense Whoa. number of years when I was in high school. 
Um, but I will say my mother is not as intense as the mom in this one. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've joked about this before with you guys. We are all in the arts, media, and culture sector, which means we are already a disappointment to our parents. Yeah. So, you know, they they get it. They they knew they'd be knowing that <laughs> we're not gonna live up to expectations. But we'll say I love this movie. I thought it was such a interesting and funny and honest take on this coming of age story that we don't often see centered on girls, let alone girls of color, let alone Asian girls. And a very specific feeling and intensity of emotion you experience at that age when you're a young girl and the way the rest of the world wants to laugh at you for it or won't take you seriously. But this movie takes everything very seriously. And they never mock May for wanting to go to this con. The ultimate thing is she wants to go to this concert, this boy band concert with her friends. And they never mock May for that being her ultimate goal. Because when you are 13, that is the biggest deal in the world. Going to see your favorite band with your friends and becoming, in her words, women. I have a friend who got into a huge fight because her parents would not let her go see H.O.T. back in like the late oh. 90s. Oh, <laughs> see, I feel, see, again, my parents are very chill. They drove me to the concerts. They let <laughs> me go to the concerts. But, you know, like I think every, especially if you grew up in an Asian household, there is an ex, you know, I think most of us face an expectation not even Asian, but like any household in the patriarchal society, uh, which includes this country, like as a girl, you're expected just not to take up that much space, mm-hmm. to not be that loud. Yeah. I mean, I know you can't relate, but you know, it's just like, there's all this <laughs> like, you you start hearing that shit so early, just, like I mean... that's not ladylike, or that's not, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that's not becoming for girls. Like you're a girl, you shouldn't do that. Like you need to be mature. Like you need to, xyz and you're just like no we're hormonal horny bitches Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean okay han (laughs) obviously this um we forgot to mention a turning race also a period piece it takes place in 2000 was it 2003 2002 she's 13 in 2002 which means she was born in 1989 so that's the year that i graduated high school so i'm a little bit older than may and the crew in this series but han you are Literally a generation above it. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, because it's not your specific experience, did you feel exhausted by this movie? <laughs> Do you mean, did I feel that this was not, I was not the target audience for this because it feels very specific and very narrow and I didn't see myself and I'm, uh, and, and, and because I wasn't in it and therefore I and, thought and it you, exhausting. And you, this movie was only made for the Toronto Asian American community. Female audience and it's not universal. Uh, okay. Uh, that would be a no. I mean, <laughs> I don't agree with any of that. Uh, for those people who might not get what we're talking about, there was a, he will remain unnamed, a film critic who wrote a very uh, bad review of this film. But it's not because he just trashed it, but saying that because he was basically not a Chinese 13 year old uh, girl from Toronto going through puberty that he couldn't relate. And, and all Pixar films should be relatable. And, you know, just like, you know, Finding Dory. Uh, and monsters <laughs> we've all been a fish with dementia yeah it, it, it's just, or it was a car a sentient car we've yeah it was so clearly an italian fish boy right right so anyway that was just a dumb critique and um and while i do have to say it was funny for me to see this period piece double entendre <laughs> um uh set in 2002 and i was just like oh 
I had I had moved to L.A. already by that point. So when it came to like H.O.T., I remember I was introducing them to my uh, my black friends who are really into Korean boy bands. And now they know better than I do about these <laughs> bands, um, K-pop bands. So uh, that 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 really kind of hit home for me. And they were also the ones who introduced me to just regular uh, white boy bands because I do not follow boy bands. Um, so uh, I was always an alternative grunge type of person, rock and um, and maybe some emo anyway. But so what did I find here was definitely just the 13 year old girl hormonal experience. So you're it's so hormonal. Morbid. I cannot I cannot overemphasize how hormonal you are I, I, at that age. Yeah. I, it, what's lovely about it is because it they are so outwardly that way. I'm not the type of person who yells and screams over something that's really exciting. Um, I don't do not draw or write fan fiction, which is a very those are very legitimate outlets for it. But did I read a lot of horny books oh, that man, that yes. also were basically <laughs> sci-fi because those are the ones that I could like sneak into the house? Um, yeah, and I also found like I think book covers at the time because the thing is oh. Also, my dad had a lot of horny books around the house. Anyway, so it was just so you're like your dad was a man of culture. He look, we had playboys in the bathroom. So <laughs> and then he also had literature. He actually was a man of culture. So he had a lot of literature. <laughs> but also, like I read Erica Jong. If anyone doesn't know who, who she is, look her up. Fear of Flying, big sex book. Um, and Jackie Collins. I read all of those books growing up, which is uh, not maybe what you want your 11, 12 year old to read. But um, but they were around and I was a horny kid. So um, that's what was really great because all of them are horny. They're not just like squeeing about these guys. But I love the whole drawing in the book of like, like who who has not thought about like some ridiculous like fantasy person, you know, when you're that young and you don't even know where to go with it. Like there, there might be some kissing and some holding hands or something involved, but you kind of even though if you know what sex is, it kind of like that's the pinnacle. You no, know, it's scary. It's scary. Sex yeah. is scary. You just want to hold hands and like have someone madly be in and love that, with that's you. That's way enough. That's like overwhelming. That's so enough. Yeah, and so I, <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, I was not a very good drawer, so mm-hmm. I would just doodle and I would make like wedding invitations <laughs> for me and my fictional characters. So I made like a lot of fake wedding invitations for me and Legolas. I, w- I was about to say, please tell me about uh, Legolas because he was actually one I really liked and I was way older. Oh, yeah. I used to doodle in my margins like Mrs. Legolas. Mrs. <laughs> Legolas. I think his last name is like Greenleaf. Like Mrs. Yes, Legolas Greenleaf. <laughs> like we invite you to the wedding of Legolas Greenleaf and like Elf Prince Legolas Greenleaf and Jessica Jew. <laughs> um, like it's so it's so accurate and i think like the way they you know the friendship of the friendship group was really nice to see um and just the difference of friendship is a very like you know ethnically mixed friend group which is like seems very accurate to my experience and probably toronto of the time i don't know marvin you're our canadian expert i moved away so. from toronto when i was one years old so I am. But you're Canadian. But you're Canadian. <laughs> then I'm gonna say yes. It's very accurate. I did love that. Um, I, I'm assuming that Han, you most related to Priya, who was played by Matrehi, uh, Ramakrishnan from Our Never Have Ever, because she yeah. is definitely the one reading those horny books, right? She was definitely reading yeah. whatever. And she's Twilight. so goth. She's so goth. <laughs> I was also slightly goth growing up, um, and definitely yeah, of that sort of nature, being Gen X, that I definitely <laughs> related to her a lot more. Um, 
but yeah, I just, uh, but there was a scene where just the, the kind of like, even some of it is overt, but some of it is uh, slightly less obviously horny, but there's a scene where all four girls are lying on the roof and they're talking about getting really excited about going to the uh, concert or something like that. And what's the name of the Korean one? Um, Abby. Abby. She is the agent of chaos. She's the best. I feel like we all know an Abby because Abby is that girl you meet in college where just bad decisions all night. Yeah. So Abby, I absolutely love because first of all, she has this belly, um, which is adorable. But then also she gets so excited. I think she has to like smooth her hands down her thighs and she almost like arches her back and I'm just like, holy crap, girl. <laughs> um, but I was if like, any any still shot with Abby in it is fucking hilarious. Yes. There's like the scene where they're like chugging soda in the party and she doesn't even have a soda. She's just going like, ah. She, she, she's, uh, she's what, great. She's, the Han is strong with Abby. <laughs> yeah, she's she's uh, a sensualist, I think. Um, she, she's the one who asked for the hug for uh with with the red panda the so panda. i was just like i so feel that too um just like i just want to feel things you know so um yeah, yeah. I, I i they're, really enjoyed that yeah it's just like you know they're all it, it, they're all just like fully kind of realized kids but they're still like very like specific to like being a preteen girl again which we don't really center like how many coming of age stories have you you know watched about boys and how they find girls so scary and oh my god but like no this is like the girls are fucking weird just as weird <laughs> we're probably weirder um and there's <laughs> all the all the like <clears throat> When, when she's that red panda and she like she's like running home because she's so scared but then she stops because she sees Deb and she goes Ow! Down, yeah. and then like keeps running I was yeah. like yeah like yeah. you know boys boys they will as soon as you realize boys exist it fucks you up for a little <laughs> bit you know you gotta be real careful you don't let a boy fuck up your life yeah I I like the I also do like the period you know it it is a period movie Um, because yes. even though they joke about it like oh did you get the red peony you know, and that it turns out she didn't literally get her period, but she's just a red panda. No, this is a period film um, about periods and menstruation. Should and- we talk about, because surprisingly, <laughs> this small scene in the movie has become like a linchpin for like the backlash, quote unquote backlash of this movie of people saying, oh, don't let your boys watch this movie. They'll ask about periods. They should. That's they the thing. Should. Everyone should demystify periods for men. Um, so you don't get an ask am I the asshole thing where a guy got mad at a woman because he thought periods came out of her butt? Um, so oh, you I thought don't... you were going to talk about the am I the asshole where the guy literally threw his wife's tampons away. I mean, all the or am the I the where house. the guy gets upset because his girlfriend like bled on the sheets and now he's like, I had to buy new sheets. Like, bro, just wash them. Yeah, yeah no, there's a lot of them, Marvin. Yeah. And that's why we need movies like this. Yeah, and and so like that's why one of the ultimate scenes in the this TV series Starstruck is when the main woman, Jesse, says, oh, I have my period. And then the guy, Tom, is just like, I'm an adult. So he's like, I'm down like, for period sex. And, and, and she was like, that's so hot. Like, can you say this? That word? is a man written by a woman, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just like, we need more of these. Because when I think about even more recently, what are the few period things we've seen for teen girls? I think um, Babysitter's Club and maybe Pen15. Like, is that it? I, I feel like there should be more and maybe they're very barely, you know, discussed. But yeah, it's ri- kind of ridiculous that like this is a huge portion of a girl's and woman's life 
for a which is which means half about half the population experience yeah and also for a good chunk of their life it's because like you only have a little bit of innocence for like this short period of time in your life um because i remember yeah at 11 thinking oh man my life is never going to be the same (laughs) i mean yeah i don't have that specific experience but you know having been in a relationship for many many years now yes you know I've been sent on pad runs before. I've been sent yeah. on. So like, you know which color classes. that she prefers, which brand she prefers. <laughs> and yeah, it was wild to see people being upset about the fact that like pads were physically in this movie. Oh my God. You don't, they don't even acknowledge it because she didn't get technically her period. So it's really dumb. Um, also, even if she did, they should include it. It's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, yes, I'm boys should like- watch it. 13's pretty late. <laughs> yeah. Like today's now, now, like how, with all the like, how old hormones? were you, Jess? I was summer before sixth grade. Okay. I so was 11. I was probably like 11 or 12. Yeah, I was 11. Probably, yeah. Like t- 11, I think. Yeah. Like most people I know, like, yeah. So remember, hit puberty early, growth spurt, every boobies. <laughs> it was rough time, man. I mean, you can see how well my growth spurt worked. <laughs> I was the tallest person for fifth grade for maybe a couple weeks. <laughs> so. I was a really good elementary school um, football, like, linebacker. Because mm. we played mixed sports, and I was just, me and this other girl named Kiana were, like, the tallest, biggest kids, <laughs> like, in general. And we were, like, dominating in football. And, like, just, like, pushing these little boys down. It was great. Yeah. I mean, I can't <laughs> relate to the period stuff, but I can't relate to being, because I I was always the tallest person in my class. From first grade all the way to maybe like 10th grade, mm. like sophomore year of high school. You're still tall though. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know I, what it's like to be short. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. I just can't relate to, <laughs> to short people problems. I, I, you know, I can't relate to uh, like tall people problems because also like, I don't know how many times people make short jokes around me. And I'm like, do you think that's funny? Like, I have no problem with me being short. So I feel I walk like. I walk in the shit all the time. I'm yeah. like, the world was not built for people six feet tall, apparently. Well, I know planes aren't, um, but uh, so what? Very mid-sized and happy about it, <laughs> just just right in the middle there. But what I thought was funny was like a few people who I've been chatting with, like some of my friends in journalism. They're like, once I found out this was a puberty story, I was like, how did you not know it was a puberty story? Because it's called turning red. But also, you don't even need to know that this is a new. This is not even a new concept. Like all of these supernatural. Um, stories teen wolf all of that those are puberty type stories yeah werewolf yeah so this turning into an animal on your birthday as a rite of passage or whatever it is those are all of them are puberty stories even if it takes place maybe later when they're older you see asian people are magical beings who never go through puberty (laughs) just suddenly become adults yeah i loved can we talk about the cultural specificity Mm -hmm, of this mm -hmm. movie i think this is the most fucking chinese movie i have ever seen it was amazing um, between the, I mean, the temple stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the aunties. Yeah. Mm. The yeah. aunties. Oh, my God. They <laughs> got every single type of auntie right down. Like the different shoe. Like, yeah. like choose your auntie, yeah. right? Like one wears off-brand Uggs in a loud pattern. I one was wears like a platform Uggs, flip yeah. <laughs> Um, One's in a sweatsuit that's like a little too loud. One is in like a there was a puffy vest auntie. We all have mm-hmm. a puffy vest auntie. Uh, I'm just like wow. And then like you know there's 
I, I love, you know, having the grandma come in and like she, her being it, the, the line, the lineage makes sense, <laughs> right? The lineage, mm-hmm. the trauma makes sense. Right. Cause in addition to a puberty movie, this is also a movie about generational trauma and the yes. cycle of abuse. Emotional yeah. It's not abuse. It's just, it's just the, I mean, it's a cycle of repression is, and, yeah, and bad and communication. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I actually think that um, her mom is a extremely loving and involved mother. Like, that's the problem. She's too involved, right? And and I think, uh, but like, you know, we see the, we see the, it, it, it's, it's a little bit different because I think a lot of friends i have and folks i know like it's like we have the opposite problem where like you you don't know how to connect with your parents mm-hmm. because you're coming from a different place but this is like oh like she's so attached to her mom that's like the two sides that, that's like the opposite sides of the spectrum right that's and true, yeah. her and her mom spend a lot of time together but her mom um, but it's also based on a lie <laughs> it's based on a lie or like her mom her mom like it, it's you know the, i also know people in their 30s 40s adult lives married have their own kids who like still don't show their true selves to no their parents, th- that's right? what i mean is that like yeah my mom has no clue who i am and like every now and then i'll show it to her but then she'll be very confused so i'm just like oh then i'll retreat yeah. back into my shell <laughs> but you know? yeah but you still feel that love i guess and yeah I think, no she does I mean, still we, love me unconditionally yes i think we didn't talk about the fourth friend in that friend group miriam who <laughs> i guess it's a cool friend because she wants made to be happy but she is such like it's it's such it is very like white white friend friend who doesn't understand (laughs) the rules of like hey like i can't hang out because or like if we got i don't i didn't have a lot of white friends growing up but you know because so so we always had like the same understanding so you know there are times where i would tell my friends like hey sorry like are we gonna hang out like if we're going out this day like i need to stay out of the house all day so we need a plan we need to have like plans so i don't go home before we do like the second thing because once i go home i can't go out again yeah or like i got a bank time at home so i can go out next week you know <laughs> and i was like oh yeah yeah, we got it we got it we got it yeah yeah um, yeah but miriam definitely does not understand some of the rules i think <laughs> or is like it's like very like encouraging of like you need to be your own person and i'm like miriam it's hard it's hard <laughs> Uh, I do want to bring up because I did not realize this. Um, the the bully, Tyler, is Tyler Win Baker. <laughs> um, so and then the voice actor is Tristan Alaric Chen. And if you look him up, he's so cute. He's such a cute kid. But um, yeah, I was like, oh, so we had some Vietnamese representation there because <laughs> I was just like, where are the Vietnamese people in Toronto? Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had like a mix. I think he was like part South Asian. And yeah, he's uh, part... oh, he's a win. He's a, one of my cousins. Yeah. Oh, how <laughs> <Yeah>. cute. <laughs> anyway, so they had a nice house, man. Oh shoot, right? Like, and he was rich. Like, come on. So that was <laughs> that was interesting. Um, I thought that I was... was surprised by the um the Griff storyline in the middle. <laughs> oh, that was my favorite. So that so it what we were talking about as far as like this is where it you. The movie is strictly for kids because if you try are trying to find some sort of message here for kids and you know you're thinking that this is gonna teach kids to lie and try to uh and to pull a fast one and like make some sort of scheme, that's probably not the main, you know, message they're gonna get. It's a fantasy. Um, some people are, like like let's be real, but I like was delighted by the whole enterprise of them monetizing the red panda. Should we talk about how, so Han brought up in our pre-show um, chat that I guess 
another backlash against this film is people think it's teaching daughters to be rebellious. Oh my god! Which like, if they have they never seen any any children's any. movie anywhere in the last hundred years? Have they read a book? A children-centered book in the last hundred years. Sneaking out is what everyone does in every in every story because who there needs is parent? no story if the child obeys the parent, right? Like, and stays no around. Story. Yeah, there's. It's either you, they sneak out or they have to kill the parents somehow because we don't have parents. <laughs> you don't need parents, you know, breathing down your neck in these stories. This is like. This is like not Euphoria World, okay, where parents don't exist and they can do whatever they want. This is like she has to make the active choice to disobey what her parents want so she can grow and learn. Um, and also, it's just racist because absolutely no one or like misogynist. It's a little bit of both because we're mm-hmm. talking about an Asian woman, yeah. Asian girl, because absolutely no one said this about any of the Disney princesses. Yeah, or any other any other like movie where everyone sneaks out so the focus that's been put on this un this movie unfairly just ah so so hot take i think if your parents are telling you dumb shit you shouldn't listen to them your parents (laughs) are giving you that patriarchal bullshit about how like ladies need to act a certain way and girls don't do this girls don't do that kanye west you should rebel against them because that's utter BS. Yeah, I, okay? I I have to say, I don't know how many times during my childhood, my mom would say something and I'd just be like, uh-huh, and nod and just not believe her. You know, it's <laughs> just like, yeah, you are old fashioned and that's what you believe. Um, So, and, and these were pretty big things, you know, like her saying yeah. that she would stay married to my dad. And I'm like, no, you should divorce. But I didn't tell her that. Um, So anyway, sorry. Do we, we love the dad though, right? he had he had to be you know that guy because if the mom was that strong you know he's just he's such a sweetheart played by orion lee which we last saw on first cow i love him yeah i think it's also very sweet because jen is you know he's supportive in his own ways he definitely know who runs the house and also there's absolutely nothing more chinese than your mother-in-law not liking you at first and then begrudgingly <laughs> accepting that you are useful and a part of the family mm-hmm. has happened with er- my grand yeah uh, it's a thing either it's a way thing. either way yeah either, either way they're just yeah. not gonna like your spouse and mm-hmm. then it's like okay fine it's been like 30 years i guess it's i can tolerate <laughs> it it's fine it's like yeah, i guess you remodeled my whole house okay like you fixed my sink okay i guess you're kind of <laughs> useful i guess i can't send you back yet like by now after 50 years <laughs> oh boy um yeah all orion right. lee that was fun <laughs> all right speaking of the cultural specificity um this film actually looks very like asian right um and i, I know that's kind of been another source i feel like these people are just looking also for places makes no to sense. that absolutely no, makes no sense yeah. this movie looks exactly the same as like a bunch of other pixar movies the character design looks like luca like a little more there's like are they talking about like the flashes of like the anime convention i think so and then people are like saying oh it's from steven universe which is like i guess but steven universe was also inspired it's based by on anime. anime yeah <laughs> do these people just like i sorry again i grew up you know marvin we grew up in asian bubbles like do people not know what anime is i i feel like if well, you look- anime in my Pixar, you know, like yeah, I feel like if you look at any of these people complaining, you look at also their outlet where they're from. Because I'm sorry, cinema it's like it's like Fox and OAN or something. Yeah, also like I'm sorry, but Cinema Blend is not the best known, like you know, yeah. <laughs> critical 
outlet out there. So yeah, yeah. Not to it's say a- not to say that places like Variety and THR don't all also make some mistakes and yes. some bad comments, but probably not that atrocious. I mean, if you take a look at the um, the influences of Omishi, right? She's said mm-hmm. on record that she's influenced by um, Rimiko Takahashi, who is the artist behind Rama Half and Inuyasha. Yes. Um, so oh, she, yes. you know, she's definitely yes. into the furries. Clearly. Right? The furries. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, definitely into furries. And just like, you know, how, you know, in animes, there's that convention where you do an exaggerated face when like something's too yes. cute or like, yes. and, like that's something and the big like, eyes. Just, no. Oh, the and then Abby's when Nyang like, face was very, very iconic. My favorite is the purr face. <laughs> the horny face, which yeah. is like, you know, a staple if you watch like Dragon Ball Z, Master Roshi, yeah. like when, when he she gets like hoo 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 and then like starts drawing. Like, yeah, it's it's all like language we know. I think if you grew up watching anime or like Sailor Moon or anything, like Sailor Moon does that too. Like Usagi like has these like she has these moves where she like just you go into like the little chibi mode, right? Yeah. Um and then, you know, there's some really really, really cute homages like when she's leaping over the roofs and like so joyful that that's an anime homage to the girl who mm-hmm. left through time flew, yeah left yeah. through time also like the giant red panda definitely a total reference too right like definitely yeah by I, did you watch did you guys watch the behind this making of documentary no not yet one of their cue cards was literally my neighbor toronto <laughs> <laughs> so there was like definitely elements of that and i've seen some really cute fan art where like the red panda is like you know, in place of Totoro holding the umbrella. And it's just like, it's really lovely to see these like childhood things that I grew up with watching this like Asian visual language, this Asian media visual language being in like a Pixar movie. And to me, that was just very natural, made a lot of sense yeah. considering yeah. these kids are consuming that. She has Sailor Moon doodles in her notebook. Um, and like, that's, that's, especially because if you think about that time, she would have grown up when there wasn't a as deep of a bench for i think western animation like like japanese animation asian animation was definitely like way cooler and way more just like the 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 amount you got right cuz they were like constantly churning so you would just always have like new sailor moon or like new dragon ball z to watch versus like oh how many episodes are they going to make of like rugrats you know yeah and this was back when those anime shows were all serialized too so you're like following a story you're like invested yeah. right a hundred percent a hundred percent this is what may would have done uh she and her mom would have gone to a video rental store mm-hmm. or a vcr rental store and her mom would have bought Canto soaps yes. or rent Canto soaps or police dramas, and she would have gone to the Sailor Moon kids section and rented at the same time every week. Mm. I know this. Oh yeah, I mean watching soaps on videotape VHS is very much a part of <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you get like three at a time or four at a time. And you gotta go return them and get the next four. Well, we what we or we what we do is like then hand them to, to, to my grandma so she would watch them and then my dad would pick those up and then and then return them. So and then yeah. get the next set and we kind of rotate them like through the yeah, family yeah. that way. My parents may or may not have used the double VCR method to make their own mm-hmm. copies of those. That's, oh, yeah. I respect that. oh yeah. I respect <laughs> that. Totally did that. We were, f- yeah. we were fancy. We had a laser disc player. <gasps> oh. What? We only there had that for be, a karaoke. There used that too. Um they, we used a Titanic on laser disc. 
and there was a laser disc rental store on the corner of Garvey and like where Hong Kong Market was. I think that like slot spot has been empty since that shop closed down twenty years That's ago. That's smart the way. because with the laser disc you can record on EP and fit the entire three hour movie on one mm, cassette. You tape. don't have to do the double the <laughs> double uh video VHS. Yeah. Man. Oh, good times. Good Something times. else that I totally related to was um May's flute case. Because I was a flautist in high school. Oh, and I definitely had a really? on my case. I did not That's know that. Cute. We couldn't put stickers because it was a rental. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to ask you, did May remind you of me? Because <laughs> I got multiple texts, especially in that first five minutes where she's like, I do what I want. I wear what I want. I will tell you the scene that I thought of you, which will not sound the most flattering. It's fine. <laughs> but when, so when mom turns into the giant panda, right? And she's twerking. And she's twerking. That was. No, no, I've 100% done that to my mom. I saw that and I was like, why, why is this Jess? It's so much Jess. No, it's 100%. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like I decided in around college, like after I graduated college, I was like, hey, like if I'm ever going to have a semblance of a real relationship with my parents, like they have to know who I am as an adult. And it was helpful that I wasn't living at home, right? Mm -hmm. But I remember they came to visit me in Berkeley one time. They were showing some friends around. And, you know, I was like 22, newly graduated from college. And then I'm taking them on a tour around the sun. And she's like, you know, I was having a little bit of fun last night before I met them. She's like, what's that on your neck? And I'm like, (laughs) I was like panicking. I was like, and then you know what? This like calm washed over me. And I was like, you know, you shouldn't ask questions you don't want the real answer to. <laughs> and she just walked away from me. Yeah. I have definitely twerked in front of my mom, though. Yeah, yeah. And at your mom yeah. to turn her away. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was 100%. the... I mean, generally, sure, yes. But for some reason, that scene really was like, oh, my God, that's so jazz. Um, yeah. I'm May without the need to win my parents' approval. Because, again, art theater student. I mean, never, she was 13. Never, yeah. God, yeah yeah you know, no uh, by 13 i was already insane yeah so. i don't think i ever needed my parents approval but i just more of like i just don't need to hear it uh if they don't approve of me because like for the longest time it was it was just like all the things was like look i'm already making good grades i but that was like kind of just for me i just wanted to basically just do my own thing without them noticing and so yeah that was that was mainly it but it was one of those things especially when you're talking about like what's not ladylike and whatever. Um, those few times she would try to, I don't know, set me up with some other person's son. Uh, she would tell me like, yeah, so so-and-so visited and I pulled out your photo and she's like, I'm sorry, it was just the soccer photo. I'm just like, what's wrong with my soccer photo? <laughs> um, yeah, not ladylike. Um, one more scene that I want to call out because last week we did mention uh, when we talking about Drive My Car that oh, yeah. there was a lack of food scenes. Because, you know, obviously, because what we theorize is food scenes are a must in like more like Asian American stories. Because like that's how. Oh, yeah. We like to that's show how we off, show our love. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this film has the most exquisite, immaculate <laughs> food sequence. It looks so real. Like when the first scene where the dad is just making dinner and cutting into that lettuce. Yeah, it looked good. Um, and then and then when she makes the porridge, I really wanted porridge after that. I think I ordered some. Yeah. <laughs> like the next day. I'm highly susceptible. And of course, they had to have their own dumplings, which, you know, they're making while watching TV. And then the dad is the one like cooking them. Um, 
theming them. Uh, just yeah, yeah. I I, I was glad for that. <laughs> I was glad for the food scenes. Honestly, it was when, important when she comes and when she comes with the orange. She's like, "Do you want a like oh. dessert?" And yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's yeah. very Chinese. Yeah. That's very yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the prelude so to Chinese. the uh, most cringy, the most embarrassing, embarrassing scene <laughs> I have I have ever felt. I I would oh my god, like if my mother took like the fan fiction I was reading slash trying to write and just like shit I would I would just n- die she took it way better and I'm like poor May poor May May man but also <laughs> like you gotta be smarter you gotta be smart you gotta learn how to hide shit better yeah I was about to say you can't just shove stuff under your bed like come on <laughs> you have to have like false front things you know book inside a book you know, just things that are just so uninteresting. I know. Like, you know your mom's going to come under your bed. You know like, your mom is nosy as fuck. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I feel it's kind of within their right to be snooping around your room. So you got to do better. <laughs> be sneakier. <laughs> All right. Last question. Is Turning Red good pop? Yes. Yeah. In fact, I think I need to watch it again because I think yeah. it's so full of like details that the surface story is great. But I want to like kind of relive the things that I might have missed. And uh, yeah, yeah, so do a run where you just watch Abby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very funny. Exactly. So she's yeah, very funny. Um, yeah. And, and in multiple ways, not just the diversity and specificity, but like, again, you know, we're really approaching this next generation of storytellers and storytelling where it's not this like cut and dry, like, oh, here's the villain. Like first we had here's the explicit villain. And then it was like, here's who you think is the villain, but twist, this person's the villain. That was like the Disney thing for a while. And now we're like getting to this point where there is no villain. It's just like you got to learn how to grow and like face challenging things within your own right. sphere. Like, yeah. So like I mean, abu- the abuela, villain is generational trauma. Yeah. Abuela. Yeah. And then here's mom. Like, I totally agree. I do like this better because, you know, there's never going to like in real life, there isn't really a lot of explicit villains, but there's a lot of like shit you have to work through. Well, yeah. And specifically in these stories where it's about not only generational trauma, but also diaspora generational trauma, mm-hmm. um, where not only is there like a generational barrier, it's also a language barrier a lot of times, too. And yeah. just, people just not communicating. And, and, just, and yeah. And literally, this is a curse from the old country. <laughs> from the old country passed down through the women yeah and to the new yeah yeah, i just like i i also just love that when you're talking about like not having a villain but it's like i very much relate to just having to get over yourself and (laughs) figuring out your own issues yeah Yeah. to be taught to be ashamed of something from your old culture or something that's happened mm -hmm. to you to like repress it like that's kind of yeah that that is a villain in like Mm -hmm. the metaphorical sense no i mean again the most chinese movie ever right like this curse or blessing was a blessing in those times because they needed to be strong and exceptional and it no longer works and now it's hurting and if that's not the story of chinese generational trauma i don't know what is (laughs) and i think broadly asian right like you don't survive a century's worth of war famine invasion displacement occupation and like just like you know all this shit that like even my great grandpa like was born in 1917 died in like 2000 2007 he was like 100 i'm like oh homie saw a lot like you 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 have to do certain things to survive right and then now it's just like okay now we're in a place where those things don't help anymore but yet we're still holding on and we need to like learn a part of the deal or part of the sacrifices like coming to a country like the united states is 
learning a new way of being because you've brought your kids up in this and like that old the old way don't work and it's hurting them so we all gotta learn a new way yeah Ugh. damn don't me she you really did that <laughs> oh man Whew. yeah uh turning right is streaming now on disney plus so definitely watch it if you don't it's have also just a bop like if mm-hmm. yeah if none of that matters to you the fucking boy bands all are so good <laughs> it's been stuck in okay my head. i do need they to build a whole website for it <laughs> okay <laughs> no they built a whole website for it it's so funny apparently jesse has two kids they're the like adult adults has two kids wow. yeah yeah i, I don't s- know but i think that's the joke i yep. mean okay i do need to say the boy band sounds are good in the fact that they so invoke boy band music of like the early 2000s, but like the mid range <laughs> of those songs, right? Like, I, w- I would, some would be of them, like, I would say mid high. I yeah. think Nobody Like You and the other song, the, not the slow song. They have, they released four songs Nobody Like You and the other one that sounds like the Backstreet Boys, everybody's really yeah. good. <laughs> The slow song's okay. I don't actually remember the song. So, but again, I am not necessarily the initial boy band pop music person. Sometimes yeah. it takes me a few listens for me to be like, oh, I see. That's why that's catchy. I feel like they're not like, you know, back in the day, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were top tier. And then they, I think Four Town would probably fall in like the middle tier, which is more like O Town, like O-town, 98 Degrees, like that. Where are we putting 98 Degrees, Marvin? Wow, hot take. <laughs> I think 98 Degrees is like, I think some of their stuff was like top tier, like like hardest thing really slaps. I I don't remember them that much. I just know they gave us the lachets. <laughs> Nick was really hot. Like I will, I, I watched, will give him that. I watched at that, that point. reality show with him too, the initial one with. And then, I'm a fan of Aaron's. Oh, the you, Carter. Oh my god, and... that's like that's like saying Howie D's your favorite <laughs> Backstreet Boy. Oh, oh my god. But it was it's great, and they're voiced by some very you know Robert's voice by Jordan Fisher. Robert, I love. oh he's great, he's great. Robert, Robert, and um, Robert Junior. <laughs> the top. Young is Grayson Villanueva, right? From yeah, uh, what was it? Philharmonics was that his band? Oh, there's there's quite a there's there's some there's some good talent behind there, but you know they did not the only the only Super miss hell. this um movie has to me and it's not exactly a miss but like it could have been a bigger hit is that they did not get max martin to write the songs mm. max martin wrote every popular boy band every popular pop song from like 1989 to now uh they built the eilish's billy eilish and her brother mm. like wrote the music i think they it did it good, possible yeah they did it's did good about right. <laughs> it's good but it's not max martin's untouchable he just go through his filmography it'll take you like 10 not filmography his Songless, yeah. it'll take you like 20 minutes. All right. Hello. Once again, you can stream um turning right now on Disney Plus. I do I am sad that I wasn't able to watch this on the big screen because I wanted to see that big red panda on the big screen. Just was yeah, able to with do it. some like friends. Uh well, that'll do it for a discussion of turning red. Uh Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at just you tweets. And I am at Hanonymous. You can find me at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Uh, we are, as always, a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Uh, you can check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for joining us as we discussed Turning Red, um, playing now on Disney+. Plus. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week for another episode of Good Pop. Until then, I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.